Thanks for checking out this podcast from Christ Church of Ornogo. Our hope is that it helps you discover completeness in Jesus. Now for this week's teaching. Habakkuk and Zephaniah, contemporary prophets with contemporary messages. Um, I really included both of these books in the canon so that we can see uh, from Habakkuk's perspective the pain of a prophet, someone who is trying to be faithful to God but living amongst an unfaithful people. Then you have Zephaniah, which is his call to God's call to his faithful to their covenant uh, 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 understanding in, in, in relationship that God had established with his people so long ago. A few notes to give you the historical context and literary themes that we have going on here. Both Habakkuk and Zephaniah deal with the fall of Jerusalem, seen and heard in the videos, is the nation of Babylon. This is the southern kingdom of Judah. Jerusalem is the capital. The northern kingdom of Israel at this time in history has already been overtaken by the kingdom of Assyria. God south, both of them are about to be overtaken. Northern already has been, southern, it's imminent. The sin of Judah has led to their pending and eventual destruction. Their land at this point has been devastated. The Assyrians, uh, 42, not 42, 41 of their 42, 41 or 42 of their fortified cities at this point, and they had retreated because, uh, if you remember the from 2 Kings, uh, the angel of the Lord came down and struck the Assyrian army down 185,000 people, forcing the Assyrian army to retreat back uh, to Assyria. But now God's people, even though God has been so good to them and instructed them, the people of God are still unfaithful to him. And like you saw in Habakkuk's video that we just watched, I mean, it's almost like you could say it's too far gone. There have been idolatry. Judgment, I've said this over and over again in the class, judgment is an offer for repentance. But this destruction that is coming on Jerusalem by a foreign enemy called Babylon is now for purification. God has done this. And the man who built his boat, what was his name? Noah. This is exactly what God did in the time of Noah. He destroyed so that he could purify. God is going to be doing the same thing with the people in the place of Jerusalem. And I know people in here like filling in the blanks. Jerusalem had been spared from Assyrian captivity, but God would use Babylon to bring judgment upon Jerusalem. The next blank would be the book of Habakkuk is an intimate dialogue between Habakkuk and Yahweh. And the next blank, the book of Zephaniah is a call to the people of Judah to turn from their wicked ways and turn to God. These books take place during the final decades of the southern kingdom of Judah. The end is near. Okay, as you saw from the videos, there is a theme in those videos of nation taking over and falling. Jerusalem is no different. But Jerusalem, while it rose and while it fell, Jerusalem will rise again is the hope for the people of God. So it's different from the other nations in that aspect. Fell, it fell big. When Babylon rose, it rose big. When Persia came and sacked it, it fell. Jerusalem also fell. Israel fell. But there is hope for this people, for they are the people of God. And even when they are unfaithful, God is always faithful to his end of the deal. Restored, faithful people, called to be faithful 
to his covenant. So I want to talk today the rise, the fall, and the rise of Jerusalem, of the people of God. So the first section there, under the rise of the capital of Israel under David's leadership. You see this in 2 Samuel chapter 5. David and his army conquered Jerusalem from the Jebusites, the people who were occupying the land of Jerusalem at that time. I want to read for you verses 6 through 12. The king and his men, meaning David and his men, marched to Jerusalem to attack the Jebusites who lived there. The Jebusites said to David, you will not get in here. Even the blind and the lame can warn you off. There is no chance of you to take Jerusalem from us. They thought David cannot get in here. Nevertheless, David captured the fortress of Zion, which is the city of David now. On that day, David had said, anyone who conquers the Jebusites will have to who are David's enemies. David is mocking them at this point. The, for the, this is why they say the blind and the lame will not enter the palace. David then took up residence in the fortress and called it the city of David. He built up the area around it from more powerful because the Lord God Almighty was with him. Now Hiram, king of Tyre, sent envoys to David along with cedar logs and carpenters and stonemasons, and they built a palace for David. Then David knew that the Lord had established him as king over Israel and had exalted his kingdom for the sake of his people Israel. This is when Jerusalem was established. This is when the place of 2 Samuel chapter 5. This was a strong point in Israel's history. This is the beginning of the rise, if you will. And Israel would rise. They would not always be faithful to God, of course. They would have their ups and their downs. As goes the kings, so goes the kingdom. Jeroboam led the people of Judah in sin immediately once he became king. Now I skipped some generations there. Let me catch back up. I say this, as so goes the king, or as goes of Israel, would follow their king. And if the king was faithful, it's generally true that the people were faithful. But if the king was unfaithful, then it's generally true that the people were still placed at high places of idolatry and worship. There was never a point in Israel's history where they were completely, 100% faithful to God in every fiber of their being. But the saying is generally true, as goes the king, so goes the kingdom. Son Solomon had his sons. There was a kingdom split. This is where we get the northern kingdom of Israel, 10 tribes. We get the southern kingdom of Judah, Judah and the Benjamite, the, the tribe of Benjamin, the Benjaminites. Um, this is, uh, Jeroboam would have been the Solomon's son was going to be the king of Israel, the northern kingdom. Jeroboam was not a good king. In fact, he was a bad king. And he set the pace. Like I said earlier, so goes the king, as, go, as goes the king, so goes the kingdom. He set a pace before God. This is from 1 Kings chapter 12. I want to read on Jeroboam's leadership. Jeroboam thought to himself, the kingdom will now likely revert to the house of David. They will again give their allegiance to the Lord, Rehoboam, king of Judah. They will kill me and return to King Rehoboam. After seeking advice, the king made two golden calves. He said to his people, Is it too much for you to go up to Jerusalem? Here are your gods. He set up in Bethel and the other in Dan, and this thing became a sin. The people came to worship the one at Bethel as far as Dan to worship the other. Jeroboam built shrines on high places and appointed priests from all sorts of people, even though they were not Levites. 
He instituted a festival on the 15th places on the altar. This he did in Bethel, sacrificing to the calves he had made. And at Bethel, he also instilled priests at the high places he had made. And on the 15th day of the eighth month, a month of his own choosing, he offered sacrifices on the altar he had built at Bethel. So he went up to the altar to make offerings. Now, you can see that Israel and both Judah are faithless before God. I want to say this, Judah went from faithlessness to faithfulness and back like a roller coaster. They were up and they were down. As goes the king, so goes the kingdom. Both Jeroboam at the time of Israel's beginning and Rehoboam at the time of Judah's beginning were unfaithful to God. Now we're talking about the kingdom of Judah now. It lasted from 922 BC. This is when the 98, maybe 597, when they were conquered by Babylon. We understand that that date happens because of the uh, records that we have from the, 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 the Babylonians is when they ransacked Jerusalem. And now we get into Zephaniah, we're prophesying. Habakkuk's conversations with God happened nearly 300 years after Judah began. So he was aware of the long history of covenant rebellion between God and his people. Really between the unfaithfulness of God's people. And Zephaniah find themselves then after hundreds of years of unfaithfulness and frustration. They see the sin of the people of God that is not just sinning against God, but against their neighbors as well. From stealing to slavery to all kinds of injustices that are being perpetrated against their own kin. And he's frustrated by this. Therefore, we can read of his complaint. When he asks God, how long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Has anybody ever said a similar phrase to God? Like, God, I have been asking for this forever or answering my prayer. Somebody brought it up earlier in our discussion. These men are real men. They have hearts, they have souls, they have feelings, they have thoughts. And he asks God, God, are you not listening to me? And then he says, why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed. Injustice never prevails. The wicked him in the righteous. Nothing is going according to how it should be going. It's not going to plan. And Habakkuk is frustrated by this. He's mad. And at least, at the very least, he's frustrated with God that things are going how they're going. God enters into the conversation with Habakkuk. And I don't think it's something that Habakkuk really wants to hear. This is what God responds in Habakkuk chapter 1. Watch and be utterly amazed. For I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. And then God says, I am raising up the Babylonians, a very powerful empire, that ruthless and impetuous to seize dwellings not their own. They are a feared and dreaded people. They are a law to themselves and promote their own honor. Their horses are swifter than leopards, fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their cavalry gallops headlong, eagles swooping to devour. They all come intent on violence. Their hordes advance like a desert wind and gather prisoners like sand. They mock kings and scoff at rulers. They laugh at all fortified them. Then they sweep past like the wind and go on. Guilty people whose own strength is their 
God. I want to make a note in history. Uh, a few weeks ago when we were talking about Jonah and Nahum, uh, 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 I'm sorry, not Micah. Yeah, Micah. We talked about the nation of Assyria and its capital, Nineveh, a very powerful nation with a very powerful capital. I also mentioned just in brief, because it wasn't the main part of the, the, the subject matter, been taken over by a coalition of different empires. The leading force of that coalition was the empire of Babylon. That great nation of Assyria that was described in detail to be impenetrable was taken over by this nation that God is going to... Habakkuk doesn't want to hear this as the response from God when he cries out to God. God, aren't you looking at how evil your people have become? And then God says, okay, you think they're bad. Watch, I'm going to bring Babylon to overtake them. Describing a similar, well, not a similar, the same thing, but he does it in a similar tone. ...of Jerusalem. And before we get into the Habakkuk, the book of Habakkuk again, I want to read uh, this contemporary word of the Lord. He says, the great day of the Lord is near, near and coming quickly. If you remember early on in our subject matter, our study of the subject matter, the day of the Lord is, it's a day of destruction and judgment. Zephaniah says, it is near and it is coming. The Lord is bitter. The mighty warrior shouts his battle cry. That day will be a day of wrath, a day of distress and anguish, a day of trouble and ruin, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and blackness, a day of trumpet and battle cry against the fortified cities and against the corner towers. I will bring such distress on all people that they will grope about like those who are blind because they have sinned, poured out like dust and their entrails like dung. Neither their silver nor their gold will be able to save them on the day of the Lord's wrath. In the fire of His jealousy, the whole earth earth will be consumed, for he will make a sudden end to all. So regardless if you're reading Habakkuk or Zephaniah, when it comes to what Babylon is going to do to Judah, it's bad. It's not looking good for the people of Jerusalem. Destruction is coming, and we know because we know that these men prophesied in the final decades of the southern kingdom, it's an opportunity to repent. Remember, pronouncement of judgment is always an opportunity to repent. And we see in Habakkuk's conversation with God that the faithful will be saved. And we know from Zephaniah's book that the faithful remnant, those who do turn from sin and turn to God, will be saved. But those who don't will use this act of Babylon overtaking Judah as an opportunity to purify his people, just like he has done before with the man we call Noah and the flood. That's the destruction that is coming. But it's not all bad news. Those who are faithful will rise again. The people of God who are faithful to God, who have been saved by God from the enemy, will come to relationship with him. Again, Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 2, and then 11 through 19. What is happening here is Habakkuk and, and God are talking about the rise of Jerusalem after its destruction. Habakkuk says, Lord, I have heard of your fame. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. Sun and moon stood still in the heavens. You remember the story he's referring to? Sun, stand still. The sun and the moon stood still in the heavens of your flashing spear. In wrath, you strode through the earth and in anger, you threshed the nations. You came out to deliver your people, to save your anointed one. 
You crushed the leader of the land of wickedness. You stripped him from head to foot. With his own spear and about to scatter us, gloating as though about to devour, they stretched the, the wretched who were in hiding. You trampled the sea with your horses, churning the waters. I heard my heart. I heard and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. A cray crept and I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. Though the fig tree does not bud and there there are no grapes on the vine, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sh- Lord, I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. What Habakkuk is saying in modern language is this. It's bad, but it won't always be this bad. Any nation to overtake us. Why he may use the most ruthless and fierce nation on the planet to overtake his people. He will do it so to purify his people and bring them into covenant relationship with him once again. He has rescued his people before from powerful enemies. He Jerusalem will not be finally destroyed, but finally restored, and so will his people. Zephaniah, though, gives the instruction to the people of God. I'm looking here in Zephaniah chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, to would repent of sin and turn to God before the destruction of Babylon would come upon the land of Judah. This is what he says. These are the instructions that he gives to those who would turn of their sin and turn to God. Zephaniah 2, 1-3. Gather together. Gather yourselves together, you shameful nation. Before the decree takes effect and that day passes like anger comes upon you, before the day of the Lord's wrath comes upon you. And seek the Lord, all you humble of the land. You who do what He commands, seek righteousness, seek humility. Perhaps you will be sheltered on the day of the Lord's and turning to God. Zephaniah, he ends his, his book with a long, uh, a long pericope of how God will restore his to him. And as I think, I know we went fast through Habakkuk and Zephaniah because we had to cover both of their books in just a matter of 30 minutes or so. But here's the point of these two books. They not kept the covenant standards that they set with God. Therefore, God, after hundreds of years of patience with them, will purify them by allowing an enemy foreign nation to overtake them. But he still gives the offer to repent faithful, will be restored in relationship with him. While they will go through hard times, they will be ultimately restored and God will be with them forever. This is how Zephaniah would conclude uh, what I just said in his prophecy. Then I will purify the... I'm going to, by the way, before I jump into this, this is a little bit of a longer reading. Uh, This is Zephaniah 3, 9 through 20, if you wanted to follow along. Then I will purify the lips of the peoples, that all of them may call on the name of the... Do you see the imagery he's trying to put together, the faithful remnant? Shoulder to shoulder, a lot of people. From beyond the rivers of Cush, my worshipers, my scattered people, will bring me offerings. On that day, you, Jerusalem, because I will remove you, you arrogant boasters. Never again will you be haughty on my holy hill, but I will leave within you the meek and humble, the remnant of Israel. They will trust in the name of the Lord. They will do no wrong. They will tell no lies, a deceitful t- and lie down, and no one will make them afraid. 
those who are faithful to God, life will be good for them. Sing, daughter Zion, shout aloud, Israel, be glad and rejoice with all your heart, daughter Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away, the Lord, the King of Israel is with you. Never again will you fear any harm. On that day, they will say to Jerusalem, do not fear Zion, do not let your hands hang limp. The Lord, your God, is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. I will remove from you all who mourn over the loss of your appointed festivals, which is a burden and reproach for you. At that time, I will deal with all who oppressed you. I will rescue the lame. I will gather in every land where they have suffered shame. At that time, I will gather you. At that time, I will bring you home. I will bring you honor and praise among all the peoples of the earth when I restore your fortunes before your very eyes said promise through Zephaniah to those who would be faithful to him when everyone else would be unfaithful to him. Moral of the story, it pays to be faithful to God. Not necessarily health and wealth. That's not what I'm saying right there. What I'm saying is God is him. He will be with them. And I love the verse, God will sing over you. He will rejoice over you with singing. That means he delights in his relationship with those who were faithful in covenant. So in a nutshell, that's Habakkuk and Zephaniah. It's 10.30. Does anybody have any questions? Okay. Yes. This is, okay, so that's a great question. Um, So next week, we're doing Haggai and Zechariah, and they are contemporaries. um, Are you asking if the prophecy would relate? Yes. Yes. Okay, yeah, yep. So this uh, uh, preview to next week. Uh, The people of Judah would go to Babylon for 70 years to be exiled there, and then next week, we get to learn um, from Haggai and the rebuilding from men like Nehemiah who would lead that charge. Uh, so yes, it does, it does relate, yeah. Good question. So don't miss it because this was the bad week. This is when the destruction comes. But next week, the promises of God are coming true to those in Zechariah. Sound good? All right, thank you guys. We'll see. Oh, let me pray real quick. I said I was going to pray. Father, thank you for uh, these two books. And while they are hard to read, they are relatable for us as well. Uh, when we think about the book of Habakkuk and the fresh people of God living in the way that they are living, which is a way of unfaithfulness and rebellion and wickedness. Uh, Father, would it not be true of us that we live in that way, but would we be uh, faithful like the rim? See in the book of Zephaniah how you delight in those who are faithful to you and you rejoice over them uh, with singing. Father, that is a beautiful uh, imagery, but it is more so a beautiful truth that you would delight in those of us who would delight in you. So, Father, help us to love you more and to be in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll see you next week. Thanks again for checking out this podcast from Christ Church of Ornogo. We hope that this teaching is helping you discover completeness in Jesus and encourages you to help others do the same. If you're interested in learning more about Christ Church, visit us online at cco.church.